0: You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. They're making a mockery out of my words, man. This whole thing is turned into a theatrical mockery. Do you understand that, Mike? No. Oh. Uh... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. But I tell you what, today is one of the more brutal days for me in terms of, um, like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I don't know if I'm going to make it today. I am in pain, tired. I All yesterday, I like laid in bed trying to take a nap, but it's like, you know, it's like your body is just dead, but you can't sleep. Then I got out of bed and my wife's like, oh, how was your nap? It's like, I didn't nap. I'm tired, though. But it's like, you can't just lay here. You got to do stuff sometime. Then I finally went to bed, woke up, and was like, no, it's worse. Like, I slept and I'm worse. More tired now. So I don't know. Something's got to give. I wish it was the weekend. I wasted the whole weekend. Need a day to just shut off the alarm and be like, I'm, this is just going to be a, I'm sleeping all day. See if I can get a 10 hour, 10 hour day in. But it's Monday, so I will be sleep deprived until Saturday. So that's great. I don't know, man. I don't know. Anybody know anything a little harder than Monster that isn't illegal? Because, hit me up. I know, is Bang, everybody says Bang is better. Is it, does it work better? Cause I'll walk to the gas station right now and just slam one. Cool. Anyways, um, it's kind of it's it's weird with this whole draft slash Aaron Rodgers dynamic. I saw somebody in the Facebook group yesterday who was like, "Dude, forget this whole draft thing. You got to talk about Rodgers." And it's like, I get it, but w- what else is there to talk about? What else can I say? We've talked about it for like three days. I've given you everything that I can possibly say on the subject. I understand it's a big deal, Um, but I mean, it just, it is what it is, and we don't have any new information. The only thing I can say is that if there are people saying that this is blown out of proportion, although it may be to some extent, the team has essentially confirmed everything. The only slight rebuttal on anything that's been reported is on the issue of Rodgers wants Kudekun's fired, and even that wasn't necessarily a rebuttal. Gutekunst came out and said, he hasn't told me that directly. He didn't even deny that it was true. He just said, if that's true, I I haven't heard that from him. Which, of course, that wouldn't go to him. He's not going to tell Gutekunst, okay, you know how to fix this? Fire yourself. So he's talking to Gudi, having conversations. He's talking to Lafleur, having conversations. And and Mark Murphy has gone out and had conversations. and, And it's been said that they did it independently. They each flew out independently to meet with him. So that conversation probably would have come up when he was talking to Mark Murphy because that's the guy that can do something about it. He probably also would have mentioned it to other teammates, agent, whatever. So asking Gudekunst if he knows about it, probably not so much, unless Mark Murphy would have talked to him about it, which I don't think that that would necessarily come up. And unfortunately, it's definitely not going to come up if he's considering it. The only way it would possibly come up is if it was just completely canned. But even then, you know, if you're trying to reconcile, the one thing you don't want to do is tell the GM that he's trying to undermine you and get you fired. But again, it just gets you back to the point where it's like, you can't fix this. And I got to be honest, I was shocked. I saw this morning, um, Boss on Twitter posted, you know, what would you rather do, get rid of Rogers or get rid of Gute? And um, it was like 43% said fire Gutekunst. It's like, you guys are out of your mind. Absolutely out of your mind. Gutekunst is the reason we are here, not Rodgers, Gutekunst. We had Rodgers when this team was in the tank. We had Rodgers when we were a six-win football team. I think a a good GM is probably the most important thing that you can have on a team. Good GM is how you find a good quarterback. It's also how you find a good coach, which they did in Matt LaFleur. It's also a reality that Brian Gutekunst can be here for 10, 20 years if he can continue doing a good job. Aaron Rodgers is not going to be here more than five years. And based on the way he's acting... He may not be here any more than one or two years anyways. He's going to throw a little hissy fit anytime we want. And, and how? Explain to me how we go about finding his replacement quarterback. Is he basically demanding that we're not allowed to even look until he decides to leave? So we need to get rid of the guy that built this team from the ground up. Went from a six-win team to an NFC uh, championship game in one year because of Brian Gutekunst. So we're going to throw that out. I saw somebody in that exact poll say, you know, you can find GMs anywhere. Really? really? How do you figure? Any good GM is not going to be able to be hired. Good GMs are unbelievably hard to find. Well, so are good quarterbacks. Yeah, but they the shelf life is a little bit longer. Also, you can be successful with decent quarterbacks. You don't have to have elite number one quarterbacks to win Super Bowls. I mean, it doesn't hurt, but it's, it's also not true that everybody looks at about three teams and says those are the only teams that have any chance of winning a Super Bowl. So I, I just, I can't sympathize with that at all. If you want to build a team, which is how you win Super Bowls, rather than just throwing this whole thing apart by saying, you know what, let's fire the guy that built this team from the ground up. Let's risk possibly hiring a guy that can't build teams and can't evaluate talent and will not find the next great quarterback and has no idea how to draft and no idea how to find guys in free agency, unlike Brian Gutekunst, because we want three more years of this incredibly toxic quarterback who we've had for all this time and still haven't won a Super Bowl, because that's how we're going to win a Super Bowl. How does that work? How is it we win this time? Because we're going to go out in free agency and spend all that money that we don't actually have? We're going to go get a wide receiver because that's going to fix everything? Which free agent wide receiver is out there that we're going to go get to fix all this? And everybody's saying that kind of stuff. I would love, I would love to just comb through their social media to find all their great takes. Oh, we should get this guy, that guy, that. Because 90% of, of all these free agents and draft needs end up being busts. That was a funny thing. Some, somebody mentioned to me the other day. They're like, well, draft picks aren't guarantees, but free agents are because you know what you're getting. No, you don't. How many times do people do, 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 do these teams go out and spend top dollar for these guys who are great football players and they come over and they're horrible? It happens more often than not. You absolutely don't know what you're getting in free agency. So Darius Smith was not supposed to be that good because he was never that good in Baltimore. When we got Adrian Amos, he was like the fifth or sixth best safety, according to what everybody's saying. He's by far the best signing. There were about three, four, five different pass rushers that were ahead of Zedarius Smith. Zedarius was the best pass rusher signing, by far. But, of course, all these people who want to trash Brian Gutekunst, who say we should have got this guy instead of Zadarius, we should have got this guy instead of Amos, where are they now? They're nowhere. They take their terrible takes. They light it on fire. They give Gutekunst no credit for being way smarter than they are. And then just move on with, well, we should just do this. Ignoring how absolutely, unbelievably, horrifically wrong they've been this entire time. Because they have no ability to look back and say, wow, um, Gutekunst obviously is way better at this than I am. This is about building a team that can win the Super Bowl. And it's funny because the same people who are saying we we haven't been able to win because Rodgers hasn't had any help, which is false are now saying all we need is Rodgers. Fire Gutekunst, because who cares about building a team? All we need is Rodgers. Wait a minute. Which one is it? And I understand being scared of a team without Rodgers, because, yeah, it's probably not going to be as good. But that's a reality whether you like it or not. Again, we're talking about another one or two years. Okay, maybe in that one or two years we win a Super Bowl. And then what? Then we have no Rodgers. We have a team that has completely fallen apart. We obviously haven't drafted a quarterback in that time because Rodgers won't let you because he runs the team now. We have a GM that doesn't know what he's doing, and, and by the way, if we're going to do this, we have to hire a guy that's going to do whatever Rodgers wants because Rodgers wants more power. So essentially, we're going to f- hire a figurehead that does whatever Rodgers wants. He says, I want to hire this guy, fine. No, 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 you're not allowed to fire that wide receiver because I like him, he's my friend. Guess what, he's not going anywhere. Mercedes Lewis is in a wheelchair, oh well, he's my friend. Come on now. It would be great. If Rodgers would just man up and play football, but he doesn't want to, so I guess it's time to move on. That's it. There's nothing else to I don't know what else to say. Absolutely not firing Brian Gutekunst. It's insane. And again, I'll, I'll repeat, this is a real situation. There has not been one rebuttal, one denial from the team, and of course there would be if this was fake. If there, if there weren't actual conversations about Rodgers wanting to leave that the team was aware of, when the media asked them 500 times a day, the response wouldn't be things like, yeah, it's horrible. Right, I mean, Larry McCarran asked Matt LaFleur about it. His quote was, obviously, it's pretty disappointing. What's disappointing? He's he's 100% confirming all these reports. Again, the only report that is being rebuffed is the report that he wants Gutekunst fired, and that was by Gudekunst. and he, all he said is, I'm not aware of that. So that might also be true. We don't know. Might not be, might be. But even if it's not, we're still in the exact same situation. He obviously has expressed to the team he does not want to come back. The team has never one time rebutted the idea that he doesn't want to come back and of course they would if that was the case even Aaron Rodgers said he's disappointed that it leaked out <laughs> even Rodgers didn't say yes I want to come back no well yeah you did he said he loves the team oh yeah, yeah he loves the team he loves the fans but what but did you say you don't want to come back did you say you're not coming back didn't really address that did he obviously I love the team and love the fans no it's, it's actually not obvious you could make it obvious by saying that these reports are not true and I would love to be back. We just got to work out some stuff, but he didn't say that. He just threw out some nonsense about I wish it didn't leak out, which again, um, pretty hard to believe that it wasn't his side that decided it was okay to leak it. Anyways, here is um, a timeline that Benjamin Albright had put out. And yes, him and I did have a slight back and forth, which he um, decided he wanted to back out of when he realized... <laughs> he wasn't getting very far trying to argue his nonsensical point. But the point is, um, he's got a bit of a timeline on exactly what happened um, as far as his understanding. And, um, you know, the, the thing that I called him out on was him being ridiculous. But this is just sources telling him exactly what happened and how, um, specifically about the Denver Broncos because that's his region. But I want to read this to you because it's it's interesting and it makes a lot of sense, and I tend to believe that this is Kind of what happened, at least to a large degree. Here it is. He says, The Aaron Rodgers story as I know it. Obviously, Rodgers has been dissatisfied for some time. Several teams made postseason inquiries this year, including the Rams, prior to trading for Stafford, although that went nowhere with Green Bay's front office. Rodgers recently has begun telling teammates and those close to him that he was not coming back to Green Bay. Earlier this week, Rodgers told people representing him to reach out and tell San Francisco, quote, to come get him. San Francisco called Green Bay and was told they weren't moving him. San Francisco was out at that point and back on their original plan of Trey Lance in the draft. So I think that's when things really started to spiral out of control. I'm stopping here. And this is kind of what he goes on to say, but this is where things really started to spiral because Rodgers started to panic, realized if we want to get out of here, we got to do it now. But when you start calling other teams, that's when things leak. You know, it's kind of like conspiracy theories. The, the, the biggest problem I have with conspiracy theories is the amount of people that would have to keep their mouth shut on. Everybody, I mean, it, once, once you go to a whole department, I mean, you're talking about thousands of people. I mean, somebody's going to talk. And that you, you see that in the NFL. If it's just a player and his agent, it can stay quiet. If you, start having, if you tell your agent to call teams, those teams are going to be like, dude, Rogers called and wants us to trade for him? That's going to get out. There's a lot of people involved in that conversation because those guys have to talk to a lot of different people within their team to discuss the, the GM, the coaches, all that stuff. And then, yeah, eventually it's it's getting out, dude. Apparently Rodgers wants to leave. Anyways, continuing on with uh, Benjamin's thing here. He says, Rodgers camp, realizing their maximum leverage was on draft day, began leaking and back channeling interest in other teams, including Las Vegas, Denver and Miami. Denver did not reach out about Rodgers, but someone representing him had. Let me try that again. He breaks these up, so it feels like that's the end of the tweet, but it moves on. Denver did not reach out to him, but Rogers about Rodgers, but someone representing him had back-channel communications with someone close to someone, but not officially an employee of the Broncos. That person, who again is not employed by the Broncos in any way, began leaking over-enthusiastic reports about the nature of the closeness of Rodgers' deal to local media. So that's where this whole thing happened, and this is where you get it starts to feel fake, right? Oh yeah, sure. Apparently, it's a done deal with with the Broncos. This whole thing is fake, right? And that's kind of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Somebody who wants a lot of clout starts getting a little crazy with their reporting, and it, it turns out to not be the reality whatsoever. And then everybody thinks, oh, this whole thing is fake. He goes on to say, a local Denver media personality reported erroneously that a deal was all but done when the team had yet to even officially contact Rodgers or the Packers and no offer was on the table yet. Bronco's source, when reached for comment, clarified this. uh, Intimated that, of course, if a, quote, hypothetical, unquote, Hall of Fame quarterback came available, the team would be interested like any team, but at this juncture, no talks had occurred. There was potential for a temperature check with Green Bay over the weekend. Since then, Green Bay has released a statement saying they wouldn't trade him. Multiple calls from me have confirmed Roger's stance that he has no intention of playing for the Packers and would welcome a trade to several teams, including Denver. While no deal is imminent or close or ever was, I do believe the Broncos will explore that option. They're okay going into 2021 with their quarterback room as is, and despite other reporting, we're not on a round one quarterback at pick nine unless that specific right one had been there. However, they will pursue options that represent a dramatic improvement to the room. At this moment, I believe that Rodgers won't play for the Packers in 2021 based on the conversations I've had. Rodgers does not have a no-trade clause, and the deal would have to be executed post-June 1 to mitigate cap issues with Green Bay should any hypothetical deal be agreed to. So basically, the only thing holding this up right now is that the Packers are seemingly, the only thing holding this up is that the Packers are just refusing to accept reality. That, or they're accepting it, they just know that they're not going to do anything until post-June 1, but even then you feel like you'd want to start communications. Unless you think that that might hinder negotiation. You know, if you think your best chance of bringing him back is by expressing to these teams there's no way we would ever move on, we love Aaron Rodgers, we want him to be here. The question then is, how long do they play that game before they move him? Do you play that game up until June 1 and then start making phone calls? Do you ride this out until the regular season and then see if a team is interested in trading? Or do you really dig your heels in and say, hey, um, play or sit and not get paid? Because, you know, don't do that. <laughs> because I don't know if Rodgers is bluffing about retiring. And again, the only thing I can't stomach in this situation is if Rodgers retires. Because then we get nothing for it. I mean, we get, our, we get some money back. That's great. By the way, what's the rule on quote-unquote retiring and then signing with another team? In other words, can he just buy his way off this team and then get another massive contract with a signing bonus that basically pays a, pays off more than probably what he had to pay the Packers? Pay the Packers 30 million dollars, he signs with another team the next day with a 50 million dollar signing bonus? I'm just not playing that game, man. He's got way too much leverage. He's got way too much money to care about this. And it just sounds like he has zero in- like it doesn't sound like it's a negotiation tactic to me. It doesn't sound like this is him trying to, you know, just leverage a better contract. Sounds like he really, really just wants to leave, so really, really just let him go. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. We got uh, we got a month, and in one month is when things maybe could start changing. I don't know. So, I, again, I understand you want a full segment on what's going on with Rodgers, but there's nothing else to say. He says he wants to leave. He's reaching out to teams saying, come get me. Um, those teams did. They're like, holy cow, Rodgers apparently is uh, wanting out. Those teams called. Um... You know, the 49ers wanted Lance, but they're like, dude, if Rodgers is here, we should explore that. Called the Packers and Packers basically hung up on them. Like, no, sorry, not not doing it. And like, all right, well, that was weird. Anyways, Trey Lance it is, and everybody went about their day. Now, also worth noting, the draft was a pretty big deal. And again, you got the 49ers who halfway explore it, but then they're like, okay, we got to get back on track here. We got to we got, you know, we put a lot of work into this and we're planning on Trey Lance and, you know, we we, we, we again, we got to get back to work. Now that that work is done, and not that there isn't still more work to be done, you know, signing an undrafted free agents and I'm sure all this other stuff, but there's going to be a time very shortly here this week where things are going to kind of calm down. And the Packers, all, all, by the way, uh, are part of that. Maybe they didn't realize how bad things were. And then this weekend, when it's like, dude, we, you know, we're not trading them anyways, moving on, let's do the draft. Now they have some time to have some conversations. I'm willing to bet there isn't going to be a day that goes by in which Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst aren't going to be talking about this Rodgers situation, what it is they're going to do, and how they move forward. And if they talk about some stuff and then reach out to Rodgers, and Rodgers is like, look, I'm just not interested, I'm just saying it's possible that that attitude of, we absolutely will never trade him, can start to turn. Again, assuming they didn't realize how bad things were, and it, it kind of sounds like they were a little blindsided, if I'm being honest, but I, you know, again, it's hard to gauge. They obviously said they've been working on this for some time, But again, remember, according to reports, it wasn't very long ago that Rodgers seemingly was asking for an extension. And I think the Packers for a long time thought that they were having contract negotiation. And at some point it switched to Rodgers said he's done and wants out. And I don't know how much of a gap between, uh, you know, the Packers finding out and the start of the draft there was. Did they know a day before the draft? Did they find out on draft day? Was it a month before the draft? And again, maybe this is when reality set in. So, I, I guess what I'm saying is, I'm taking the whole we will never trade Rodgers with a bit of a grain of salt. You know, we got to see what these conversations come to over the next days, weeks, and months. And who knows, maybe the conversations turn from Aaron Rodgers' side. But again, there's, there's so much damage that's been done, especially if it's true that he's trying to undermine the GM and get him fired that it just seems unrepairable. So, anyways, that's all I got for you on that. Uh, I do want to take a break. And then when we come back, I want to take a quick look at the rest of the NFC North, and just kind of briefly go over um, some of the guys we're going to be going up against in the near future, what they did, and uh, sort of my thoughts on it. do want to give a shout out to uh, Gary for not only jumping in on Patreon, but for upping his pledge. Again, we are uh, 10 patrons away from my goal of 200 supporters. i hoping to get there before my official move-in day on uh, June 7th. It's when we move into our new home. It was originally planned for the start of the season, but uh, that started... Going so quickly, I figured we should bump up that date a little bit. So if you can, if you're willing, if you're able, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, you can jump in for as little as a dollar a month to help support this podcast. Would be greatly, greatly appreciated. If we just had everybody that tuned in to this podcast on day one of the draft, give a dollar a month, I'm done. That's it. By the way, draft day, day one, is always officially the biggest day for this podcast of the year. Which is kind of crazy. I mean, during the season, you know, Monday mornings are usually a big day, especially if the Packers win. But it really just can't hold a candle to uh, to day one of the draft. I mean, the day after the draft of day one. Even day two is massive. So if you're there, if you're listening, if you're able, it would be greatly appreciated. Be sure to check out um, PackernetPod.com. I see some of you have already started doing that. I've had a few of you reach out. I see i got a couple people who have signed up for email subscriptions. I'll be honest, I don't even know how that works, but I'm assuming it just sends you uh, an email when there's a new um, podcast, which is kind of cool. Thanks, by the way, to Paul for jumping in and uh, sending a message from the website. That's Paul from Shenzhen, uh, China. Shenzhen, is it? I don't know. I don't think I can say it right. But remember, you can uh, jump on there. It gives you all the links to pretty much everything you could ever want. You can also send me voicemails directly on the website, which, again, is kind of cool. There's just a little button on there. It'll record your voice, and you can just send me a message. Kind of neat. But anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a little break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So let's start with the Bears, because um, they're... First of all, there was somebody that had posted a sort of aggregate, sort of a GPA, I guess is how they phrased it. They looked at a bunch of different grades from a bunch of different websites, and the Bears were number one on that list. So let's take a look at it, because I don't necessarily disagree that they got some good players. I don't like how they went about doing it. First of all, obviously the biggest thing, they traded up and got Justin Fields. This is what everything hinges on. If Justin Fields is a top-tier quarterback, everything else goes out the window. Any other analysis, any other negative spin on this that you can possibly put on it is, uh, it's just, it's out the window. They they got their guy. Now, once again, they traded everything away to get him. Now, I understand it's obviously a very positive thing. It's starting to look like the Bears weren't going to get anybody. And they ended up getting Justin, and that seems like a fantastic thing. But I, I think it's at least worth asking why he made it to number 11 overall. If we assume this is the guy that was not very long ago the lock number three and shortly before that a lock number two, there's no way a guy that is that good makes it to 11 ever. Especially when you factor in there are teams like the Carolina Panthers who need a quarterback that decided to pass and take a corner at eight. Teams like the Denver Broncos who apparently are very interested in taking a quarterback that took a corner at pick nine. They let him go right past them. The Lions wouldn't have been a terrible fit. I mean, if he really is that good. So, I mean, there's something there. So I can't just give him credit for, hey, this is a a top five player that the Bears got at 11. Because a top five quarterback is never, ever, ever, ever going to make it out of the top five. He made it outside of the top 10. So I don't exactly know what that is. I don't know if it's the health concerns maybe or what. But the Bears did have to give up a 2021 first which the Giants used to get Kadarius Toney. They gave up a fifth-round pick, which was traded to the Broncos, as well as a 2022 first and fourth. Now, according to the trade chart, this is a massive overpayment because moving up that high would have been roughly the value of about a second-round pick. It's an early second-round pick, and maybe the Bears didn't have enough value there. So possibly next year's 2020, I don't know how you gauge the value of a next-year pick. I know it's less than a this-year pick, but it, it does seem like a bit of an overpayment. But again, I guess I'm fine with it because Justin Fields is a good quarterback and uh, you ended up getting one. And it didn't look like you were going to get one after this anyways. And if you're Ryan Pace, you know you're on the verge of getting fired. So you got to do something pretty drastic, which, of course, is not the best way to run a team. You should try to do what's best for the team in the long term, you know, because that's that's what you do. You try to build for long term health, want to compete every year. Now, that's not what what fans in the media want. That's why the Bears did so well, because to heck with the future, this is about today. And they did a lot of good things for today. After that, round two, the Bears again traded up. They traded from 52 to 39 to get offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins. Now, Tevin Jenkins was supposed to be gone a long time ago. So again, a fantastic value. But they gave up a, obviously their second round pick, they gave up a 2021 third and a 2021 sixth. So... The Bears gave away nearly the rest of what they had this year to move up and get this second player. And honestly, the only reason they even had a pick before the sixth round is because they got back a fifth, which, by the way, they used on another tackle. So their next pick didn't come until the fifth round, which is not uncommon for the Bears. Here's my biggest issue, though. This team, again, is falling apart. The offensive line in particular is in real bad shape. Granted, you got two offensive tackles and that's great. But your defensive line is rough, right? Akeem Hicks was almost out the door. A bunch of other guys have already gone. Khalil Mack is once again more or less by himself. Your corners are are gone. Jalen Johnson and Desmond Trufant are pretty much all you have left. As far as guys signed long-term, you got Khalil Mack, um, Eddie Goldman, Roquan and Danny Trevathan at linebacker, Eddie Jackson at safety, Jalen Johnson and Duke Shelley at corner, Riley Ridley, Darnell Mooney at wide receiver. And you got David Montgomery, Cole Komet, and now Justin Fields. You lost your right tackle. Charles Leno's 30 years old and is in the final year of his contract. Anthony Miller is in the final year of his contract. Jimmy Graham is going to be gone soon. Alex Barr's Jermaine Effetti. I mean, pretty much the, the whole offensive line is, is you know, again, you can re-sign guys, but it's it's getting thin. Talent is leaving. Talent is getting older. Nakeem Hicks is 32 years old and in the final year of his contract. Robert Quinn is 31. Khalil Mack is now 30. You side in Desmond Trufant to try to fill a hole. The guy's 31 years old and is only here for a year. Deshaun Gibson, your other safety, is 31 years old. And you're just giving away your picks. And the the real problem here is you got Justin Fields. How are you going to build around him? What are you going to do to build around this guy? It sounds like you, you're really prioritizing keeping a couple key pieces, right? You kept Allen Robinson but you've let the offensive line fall apart. And you're trying to help with the draft, but you don't really have very many picks to help in the draft. You got Tevin, and then you got some fifth-round guy that, I mean, who cares? He's probably not going to start. And then, you know, you got these six-round guys, which even for the Packers, you look at it and go, you know, they're developmental guys, maybe they'll help out a little bit, but these are not key contributors. They got Khalil Herbert running back out of Virginia Tech. Obviously, they already have a number one running back. This is a depth thing. They got Des Newsom, the wide receiver, who is probably just future depth-slash- you know, I mean, guys are going to be leaving. Sixth round cornerback out of Oregon, Thomas Graham, which you might need because, I mean, the guys that are there are just, they're not great. And again, some of these guys are going to be leaving. So he's got a shot at possibly doing something, but probably not going to be a premier player. Chris Tonga, defensive tackle in the seventh round, again, has an opportunity to play, but not expected to play all that well. This is, this is largely depth behind what is falling apart, starting in round five. So they got two guys that, they're hoping can can help. One of them is a quarterback. So you got a quarterback and you got one guy that can help and then a bunch of depth behind all these players that are going to be leaving pretty soon. Then next year, again, you want to rebuild, but you don't have picks. You're starting to give them all away because, again, you're just so overly aggressive. And and part of the reason the team is, is in the state that it's in is because you've been doing this for years. So I have no pro- I mean, getting Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins is awesome for the Bears. No question. I don't like the way you did it. And I don't like the fact that you have very little ability to, to support your new quarterback. So I, I'm kind of up in the air on it. Obviously, I think the team got better. Kudos to them for that. I'm just I'm skeptical of their ability to continue to build around Justin Fields. Uh, next up, looking at the Lions, I mean, I think it's a pretty fantastic draft. Um, getting Pinay Sewell, who is you know, arguably one of the best, if not the best, players in this draft at pick seven is pretty crazy. I think a lot of teams were being silly letting him pass. Obviously, having a bunch of quarterbacks helps that, but only three of them win, right? One, two, three. Atlanta took Kyle Pitts, which I guess is somewhat understandable. Cincinnati took Jamar Chase, which I think is is unforgivable. Miami preferred Jalen Waddell, which I somewhat disagree with, but, you know, whatever. And anyways, those three teams taking weapons over a elite starting left tackle allowed Penny Sewell to fall to the Detroit Lions, which sucks for us, but what are you going to do? Then in the second round, the Detroit Lions, at pick 41, selected Levi and Wuzurike. So again, another guy I've been kind of pounding the table for as one of the few guys that has some pass rush ability. Very talented defensive tackle. Now, doesn't necessarily mean he's elite. Um, it's, it, you got to understand, it's in the context of this being a horrifically bad defensive tackle class, but he is one of the, the few that has some kind of upside ability as far as being a run defender and a pass rusher. Followed that up in the third round with Olimm McNeil. Olimm McNeil is sort of um, what we got with T.J. Slayton. He's a very big nose tackle. So obviously they're starting in the trenches, which makes a lot of sense. And I had alluded to this uh, a while back in which when you look at what the Detroit Lions are talking about, they're talking about hardcore Trench warfare, gritty football. Now, that's obviously if Panay Sewell falls to him, that's the pick. But there was even talk about, I think what I had mentioned on the podcast, if if Sewell was gone, which I assumed he would be, would they have taken the next available tackle? Because that's just kind of what they're looking for. And so, again, the first thing they do is sort of fortify the trenches. Elite, top-tier offensive tackle, a well-rounded defensive tackle, and then just a run-stuffing nose tackle. By the way, the value on these are pretty solid. Penny Sewell was the fifth-best prospect. He fell to seven. Levi was a pretty good value where they got him. Lynn McNeil was right in that range as well. So they're kind of sticking to what you know consensus big board had as good value. But then you've got um, in the, let's see, the back of the third round, they end up getting cornerback of Fetty Now that's at pick, uh, pick 101. Fetty Malfonwu was listed at the 61st overall cornerback. So again, another guy with starter potential. You pair that with the guy that they got in the first round last year, and now they've got potentially a pretty good duo. Then in the fourth round, they get uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, another guy that was considered a late second, early third-round prospect. They ended up picking him in the fourth round. Now, that doesn't always pan out. Again, guys fall for a reason. And we see this all the time where you're looking and go, oh, man, they got a freakish value. And then they play, and you realize why they fell. And you realize why maybe they probably were going to keep falling if that team didn't jump all over it. Um, With the very next pick, the Lions actually traded up. It's their only trade in this draft. I don't even understand the compensation but they traded up to the very next pick. They picked Amonrod, pick 112, traded up and then got linebacker Derek Barnes. Apparently, they traded their um, pick 153 as well as a 2022 fourth round pick and got back a seventh. Seems weird to me because we're swapping fourths, right? You give me your fourth this year, I'll give you my fourth next year. And then for this year, you give me your seventh and I'll give you my fifth. I don't know, the whole, the whole thing is... It doesn't seem like a ton of difference in value there. Maybe a little bit, but I mean, they moved all the way up from the fifth to the fourth. That's what's kind of crazy to me. But whatever. They obviously very desperately wanted Derek Barnes, and and presumably really wanted to to nail down a linebacker, um, because it's a pretty big need, and they probably didn't have very many linebackers left on their board, I guess. And then after that, got running back Jamar Jefferson, guy that we talked about quite a bit on the stream. Obviously, he's going to be depth, backup, slash, you know, third down, whatever kind of work. But... I mean, overall, I think it's a solid draft. Again, unlike the Bears, they didn't have to give away everything to go up and get these prospects. They got good value. They got good players. They got several people that you could assume would be starters, including their first, what, five picks? And to be fair, you could argue that every single one of these guys will get playing time. Penny Sewell is a starter day one. Levi and Alim are starters day one. If Eddie Malfonwu, based on the lack of depth and talent is probably going to start or at least be in the rotation. Amon Ross St. Brown, based on the lack of talent and depth at wide receiver, probably starts day one. Derek Barnes, again, um, is at least going to compete because they don't have a ton of players there at linebacker. And then Jamar Jefferson isn't going to be the starter, but he could be the number two. So they may have legitimately gotten one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys that are going to play. Now, Granted, it's a little bit of un- unfair when you have a team in which everybody sucks so your entire draft can play. But um, I-, I think it's a great draft. If I'm being honest, I really think, I mean, again, I don't know who's going to be good and who's not. And I don't really care about their value versus the media's value. I'm just looking at it and going, that seems solid to me. Obviously, you missed a lot of stuff, but everybody misses something. You only have so many picks and you got a lot of holes and you got a lot of needs and everything else. Finally, the Minnesota Vikings um, in the first round, just like everybody else. I mean, granted, the Bears had to trade up to get their value, but the Bears, Vikings, and Lions all got really good value, right? They got guys earlier, or a lot later than they were expected to go. And for the Vikings, that was Christian Derrissaw, who was expected to go, you know, top 15 for sure, ended up falling all the way to 23 for the Vikings. Again, fell for a reason, but still incredible value. And in fact, I saw some Colts fans in an absolute tailspin, because even though they got Quiddy Pay, they were so mad they didn't end up getting Christian Derrissaw. So it's an important pick. Again, I think the Vikings have done a good job of revitalizing their defensive line. They get some guys back. They added some pieces. Although another edge would have been nice, it certainly wasn't a top priority because of the people and pieces that they added. So I think an offensive tackle makes the most sense. They lost their left tackle. I wasn't sure if uh, you know Ezra Cleveland was going to eventually move to left tackle. I think that was the plan, but now they can keep him in at guard. And by the way, they got them via a trade back. So they could have taken Christian Derrissaw at 14, and everybody would have said that's a fantastic pick. They traded back with the Jets, who took Elijah Vera Tucker. And they ended up getting two third-round picks minus a fourth for their troubles. So I mean that's that's like that's masterful. I you know I mean it's just it's it doesn't get any better than that for the Vikings. Vikings did not have any second-round picks, and then in the third round they took quarterback Kellen Mond. So this is when I I remember laughing hysterically on the stream when this happened. They got one really good pick. They didn't get any second-round picks, and then they come around in the third and get a quarterback. Now you know maybe Kellen Mond's fine, but again I I like their quarterback. More so than most do. He's not great, he's not elite, but I think he's more than good enough to win football games, and we've seen him be a very dominant football player. We've seen some unbelievable throws from him uh, against the Packers. And so they have a quarterback, they have a running back, they have an offensive line, and, and again, it's just everything's kind of there, let's just get over the hump, but they decided to find the next, you know, quarterback after Kirk Cousins, which again, you gotta do that at some point, so I'm not super mad about it, but as a Packers fan, I'm glad that they got one good player and then nothing until you know, later on in the third round when they got Chaz Surratt, the linebacker, which also makes me laugh because they... <laughs> I just don't get what they're doing at linebacker. They drafted a linebacker, right, previously. He's a replacement for these really old linebackers that they have. Then they came to a crossroads. Do we keep Kendrickson Barr and dump the linebacker that we drafted? Or do we move on from either Kendricks or Barr and and pay this guy? Because we can't pay three guys a lot of money. They decided to dump the guy that they drafted. So anyways, the the plan is to dump all the other linebackers um, and keep Kendricks and Barr, but then just draft other linebackers to replace the guy that we dump to be backups to these old, crusty linebackers. It's It's just a weird thing. So that one doesn't bother me very much. Also, Chaz Surratt. Did not grade out very well not that necessarily matters and he is a third round pick so maybe he's going to be pretty good but he's also not going to play very much because again Kendricks and Barr are the linebackers for the vikings so you got a quarterback that's not going to play you get a linebacker that's not going to play very much um but they got their tackle then in the third round because they have 6,000 third round picks they got wyatt davis so that's a big one for them again they're building up the offensive line which i think is the most important thing again they got a running back Probably the best wide receiver duo in, in football and uh, quarterback that can, I think, get the job done. So bolster that offensive line. No problem with that pick. With their fourth third-round pick, they got Patrick Jones, pass rusher out of Pittsburgh. I think that's pretty solid. I like Patrick Jones. I had mentioned that I like a lot of these Pittsburgh guys. Again, I don't know if the guy starts. They got Daniel Hunter. They got Weatherly back. They got some established players. I guess that kind of depends on Patrick Jones. They also added safety Cameron Bynum in the fourth round. Janarius Robinson in the fourth round, who was a pass rusher. They had a ton of mid round picks. So, I mean, I, I really based on, depending on how many of these hit, this team could be a dominant football team. I mean, we, we got, look at all these picks. Third and fourth round, Chaz Surratt, linebacker, Wyatt Davis, guard, Patrick Jones, edge rusher, um, Kine Nogwagwu, running back, Cam Bynum, safety, Janarius Robinson, pass rusher. That's a haul. In the fifth round, they got Amir Smith Marset, wide receiver. Obviously, that's not a top tier, premier starter, but it's depth. Then they added, you know, getting into the later round, Zach Davidson, tight end out of uh, Missouri State, Jalen Twyman, the defensive tackle out of Pittsburgh. So they got another defensive tackle, and that was it. So it's kind of a it's kind of a great draft for me because they didn't have any real sixth or seventh round. Pick. The Packers always have a billion sixth and seventh round picks, and I just don't care. But Jalen Twyman at, at as their final pick is also, I mean, it's just. I can't say I don't like it because I do. ton of mid-round potential. Again, a lot of these guys are probably not going to start or at least be premier guys. Derisaw will. Kellen Mond will not. Chaz Surratt will not. Wyatt Davis is maybe. Obviously, they want him to, but we'll see. Patrick Jones will probably be a rotational guy unless he's very, very good. They got a return running back who's you know got a ton of people in front of him. Cameron Bynum is more of a uh, future pick for safety got another pass rusher who you know, again depth or possibly you know unless he's a, some kind of a freak probably not going to see him all that often smith marset backup depth tight end depth defensive tackle depth but overall they bolster their offensive line and defensive line and have some much needed depth because i think the vikings more than just about any team are i mean they're getting really really old and they've done a, a big job uh, they've done a lot to retain their guys which is fine, but at some point we got to move on from our old guys and bring in some new guys, and I don't think they've done a very good job of that. But this draft is just, they had so many picks, such a massive amount of picks, and I think they did do a good job of, if they can commit to them and develop them and actually have the ability and willingness to move on from the linebackers, from the safeties, the guys that are getting much older, you know, um, Eric Hendricks, Anthony Barr, Harrison Smith, then they'll probably be in pretty good shape. The, the biggest weakness, I think, going forward is going to be their corner group. They're extremely thin. They didn't really add anybody. Again, they lost their first-round pick. He's not coming back. But, again, outside of that, it really just comes down to development, like everybody. But I think it's a little bit more like if, if nobody on the Packers team develops, we're fine. Those guys are, are a massive bonus, but we'll survive without it. The Vikings might be in a little bit of trouble. The offensive line is a mess. And, again, there's a lot of age issues with this team, so they need some guys to hit. The Bears, I mean, it's 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 just a question of they, they can't, I mean, obviously, if these guys don't hit, if the quarterback is bad, if the tackle is bad, they're in massive trouble. But it's beyond that. Even if they hit, they might be in trouble. And the Lions, I mean, I think they had a great draft, but it's just a matter of they have a long way to go. And this was a good start. So uh, all four teams are in very different places and I think had very different drafts. The Bears are just doing Bears stuff. I'm trying to keep my job. The Vikings did the responsible thing and loaded up on a bunch of picks, but they got a hit. The Lions had a great haul. They got a ways to go. Packers are a great team looking to possibly upgrade and take it to that next level. Which the only where to, only place to go that is up is to the Super Bowl. So we'll see how it goes. But that's kind of where I'm at with the NFC North draft. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye.